Coffee Break, where Helena comes to talk. Welcome in. This is Coffee Break, and I'm Troy Shockley. Thanks for hanging out with us this morning. The show brought to you by Versant Real Estate Group. If you have a property that fits the needs of their buyers, call David at Versant, 459-8565. Joining us to finish out our work week, we've got Maestro Alan R. Scott. And alongside the man who has been called the greatest living clarinetist, Ricardo Morales. I've never been called the greatest anything, at least nothing that uh, that I want to lay claim to and put on a badge or a T-shirt or anything. Uh, guys, I appreciate you coming in today. I'm thrilled to be able to have you both here. We're on the verge of another performance by the uh, the Helena Symphony, which is also exciting. This, again, part of the home stream, your Helena Symphony. And, Alan, these they continue to be fantastic. They're, they're, they're just really good. You re- you had one, I guess it's about a month ago, yeah, right? Yeah, weeks ago. Um it's like every two or three weeks between children's concerts, education mm-hmm. concerts, non-series concerts, and the Masterwork series. Um, we're just so thrilled at the outpouring of support. You know, three to eight thousand people around the world watching, um, and you get to do it. It's there's no charge on the YouTube. You can just look for YouTube or go to Helena Symphony Facebook or our webpage and get connected up on the YouTube and you can throw it up on a smart TV or tablet or your computer and. Um, chill out and just watch a concert from home. And this is different because you're not seeing the camera from the back of the hall mm-hmm. like, you, like you're setting up your tripod or something. We're not trying to duplicate the it's concert It's not dad hall. with his video camera right, on the shoulder. Right. We're not trying yeah. to duplicate the concert hall experience. Um, we're trying to innovate the concert hall experience. So you're, it's a multi-camera shoot, a five-day camera shoot where you're they're in the orchestra. You're, you're, you're facing the conductor from, from the front. Um, you're, you're sitting as if you were sitting right next to different, different members of the orchestra, sitting as if you're literally inches away from the soloist in this case, you know. And so it's kind of, it's a totally, di- you couldn't get that even if you were in the front row. It's a totally different experience. And then the audio, you know, the Civic Center is, it was not made for a concert hall. So it, it the, 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 we always are fighting those acoustics there because it was not me- meant for that. So we have to work very hard to get a sound in there. But the way with the recording, the audio recording, you're actually hearing what the orchestra really sounds like. People probably mm. have never really heard the orchestra. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of orchestras go through that with halls. And when you hear it in a, in a good audio setting, you're going to hear it. You're hearing the orchestra differently. Too, yeah, and so you get that close up. I mean, I, they say that Bruce Lee had to slow down some of his punches to be caught on film. Is that the same thing with Ricardo? Is he going to have to slow down in order for us to see I that I hope close he doesn't because then I... <laughs> You had to slow the tempo of the whole piece so that Ricardo could be caught on film. Uh, these have been tremendously successful, as you said. I mean, they reach a, a very large audience and a, a unique experience. So it's one of those things where you said you're not trying to duplicate. You can't. But this is it, – it's supplemental in a way that it, it almost adds to your, I guess, career of concert going. People can go, I remember, you know, we didn't have that live experience but this was pretty special too. Yeah, that's got to be neat we, to be able to do that. We didn't want to duplicate that experience. We wanted to be able to still. We believed when the pandemic hit a year ago, right around now, we were saying we we, we don't know what's going to happen. We thought maybe we'll be in this for three to six months. We had no idea, of course. And we said, well, this doesn't change anything in the sense that are we still going to make music? We have to. We were made for yeah. this very reason. We're made to heal people emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. You know, I often say, if you just want to be entertained, go to the circus, you know, but music certainly can be entertaining, of course. I'm, uh, I'm being cute when I say that, but, you know, it's, but the idea is that's not all we're here to do. We're here to make an impact in your lives. We're here to change your day, your life, your week. We're here to really help you to either escape from whatever you need to escape from, to heal from something, to enhance something, 
whether it appeals to your spirituality or lack thereof, or or maybe it's just a, a distraction that's needed, or maybe it is just entertainment. Music can be all these things. And what's amazing is the same piece of music can do all those things at once to multiple people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we all f- take in a piece differently. And um, literally, I've been in performances as an audience member where the guy sitting next to me is, you could see his life is changing before his eyes as he's enduring this. Someone else on the other side is sort of just enjoying it mildly. Other people are not enjoying it. Some people are. And so what's amazing is that same piece of music will conjure up all those different th- thoughts, emotions, or whatever. And um, and so we thought, this is, this, this is exactly why we exist. Why would we ever not perform? We, we're going to be the reason that this community heals. We're going we're gonna to be just as important as the churches and the and synagogues and the and the paramedics and and those who are helping taking care of other parts of our being, and so that's what we've been doing. And we had no idea that this would reach all over the world, and we're thrilled that it is. And so we obviously had to reprogram because we couldn't have all seventy eight players on stage. But um, we're getting closer and closer to that. What looks is very good that by next season we'll we'll be you know back to our. Now, I'm counting on Symphony Under the Stars at this point. We like are it's, my, we are very optimistic. We haven't launched that for July 17th because that's 18,000 people. Right, outside. it's right. outside. So, but it's you know the vaccination rollout. The more that that continues to go, um, and cases continue to come down, and we get the entire orchestra vaccinated, then we will then we can safely do that. It looks very promising. We haven't on for July uh, 17th and our benefit concert at Montana Ting on June 26th. Mm-hmm. Um, people are buying tickets for that. So yeah, that's great. It's right. You know, we haven't officially launched it, but we're saying, look, everything is pointing in the right direction. I think within the next two to four weeks, we will have a better understanding. But Montana is is doing very well. I mean, yeah, it looks good. What, it's looking good. So yeah. but but we but yeah, so I, I, I don't want to say definitively, right. But, I'm very. We're very. I'm pe- I've penciled it in at the I very least. Good. I yeah. think it's good, as we are too. And I so, pencil it, and 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 coming next week, I'll probably circle it. Yeah, you know, that's right. and that's w- right. we'll get closer to that pen. Yeah. we've got uh, Maestro Alan R. Scott in the studio with us this morning. Uh, also, uh, Ricardo Morales. We're going to get to him here very very shortly. Uh, coming up tomorrow, seven thirty. We've got uh, quite a treat. You know, you, you get to welcome back to the stage. Um, an amazing musician. And, and so now you get to do that weird thing where you talk about the guy that's literally sitting right oh, next to you and let him listen to Well, you know, you. We, we, we practically live next door to each other from <laughs> my apartment in Philadelphia and his place in Philly. Um, but um, I'm a Philadelphia native. Ricky's not, but 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 um, but is very much a part of the culture of Philadelphia. He's been the principal clarinet of the, of the Philadelphia Orchestra, one of the greatest orchestras in the world. Um, um, since 2003. And prior to that, he was the principal clarinet at a very young age at the Metropolitan Opera Orchestra. Um, you know, that's, I, I think the Met is is arguably one of the greatest orchestras in the world. Maybe, I think it's one of my favorite orchestras in the United States, that's for sure. But he's been asked to be the principal clarinet from Berlin to London um, to New York Philharmonic. Um, this is, this is, these positions, hundreds and hundreds of people try to win these spots to get these spots. And in Philly, you know, Ricky holds a seat that was there were years and years ago, there was a legendary clarinetist who had this chair. So this, these are, these are, um, these are, these are pretty intense spots to win. Yeah. And you're working not only with, you know, great conductors and, but great colleagues and great guest artists performing for, uh, in, a, in a fairly new hall within the last 20 years, but also audiences that have very high expectations 
and um, an orchestra that has to live up to a reputation that is a century old. And so it's it's like being in the major leagues of a sports team. I mean, you, you have to deliver every time. And you're playing, you're not, well, you know, Helena, we do 19 concerts. You know, that, that's a good amount for a regional professional orchestra. Actually, it's quite a lot. But Philadelphia Orchestra is playing 52 weeks a year, three to four performances a week, you know, and including a world tour somewhere, uh, seasons out at, at summer halls up at Saratoga, New York, and then sometimes in, in Vail, Colorado for a week. And then, of course, at our home, then they go up to Carnegie Hall once a month. I mean, it's endless. And you're playing it. That's what you do for a living. Yeah. You're, you're yeah. rehearsing three to five times in a week. You're performing two to four times every week. And so it's grueling. It's absolutely grueling. And so that's why you have like an associate principal. So 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 because you want these players to be able to rest. Ricardo will also solo with the orchestra a lot and solo with other orchestras. And um, it's it's a, it's a grueling schedule. So when he and I talk about doing something, we have to really plan because he has to be able to doesn't conflict. Like if it's going to be a piece that really has if it's a music director conducting and it's going to have a principal clarinet, a major part, well, he's going to have to be there. He's the A, yeah. he's the, he's the a team, so yeah. he has to be there. Well, now, uh, Ricardo, I, I topped out in high school, but I was first chair, you know, so yeah, what, and, and we've got, we basically got the same hairstyles. So we're basically yeah. peers. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm just going to assume we're peers. Yeah, um, sure. I want to play a little bit of Ricardo here so people understand what they're hearing. I mean, the, the clarinet is incredibly complex. Keys on top. You're, you're hitting multiple different keys with the side of your fingers, both hands at once. This is not a simple thing. It's incredible. And let me play for you just a quick clip here. big deal right ricardo <laughs> how, do you, how do you do that <laughs> well you become very religious because you are always praying oh god please don't let me mess this up <laughs> i mean it's, it's just it really is it's unbelievable it takes a lot to do that with your fingers of course but your ombre shirt man it, it's so clean it's so clear i mean it's a treat to listen to it really is oh, thank you thank you why the clarinet for you i mean what how did this journey little ricky when you when you started this thing Oh, wait, wait. How, how did this journey start for you? Well, I come from a family of musicians. I'm the fifth out of six uh, brothers and, si and sisters. And uh, uh, when I uh, grew up and I was about uh, 10, 11, I just wanted to join the band because uh, the four older uh, brothers uh, were already studying music. And I, before I got uh, playing, I had to be singing. And then I just really <laughs> didn't like it. I wanted to be able to have an excuse to have something in my mouth. Ah, okay, sorry, I cannot <laughs> sing in the band. So, excellent. <laughs> so, I was like uh, the perfect excuse for me to go. I love it. I mean, think back to when you started. I mean, you just wanted to be in the band. This, where you are today, this is not what you had planned out for your future, was it? It's a pretty good band. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty good band. And, uh, well, I just, um, I loved it from the very beginning. 
I have been always uh, very, very much into the clarinet. Even from my first day, where I remember my dad brought my, uh, my clarinet to school, and I just basically snatched it off his hands, and I ran to the uh, clarinet teacher's lab to just take some lessons. And uh, uh, that day, and even when I came back home after the fourth hour, just uh, you know, a, a beginner, you know, my parents were like, uh, uh, "You may want to uh, save some lip for tomorrow." Yeah. <laughs> 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 poor, but poor parents, they were very good sports. Is it letting a, an 11 year old hacking through that thing for four hours? <laughs> yeah, well, and I, my daughter plays the clarinet. Now I'm on the other side of it. I remember her starting in junior high. Oh, uh, yes. the, the, the parents of uh, starting musicians, they, they those kids put you to a test. Oh, yes, for sure. But the patience <laughs> and the, the deep uh, breaths. <laughs> <laughs> Could you shut the door? And then, yeah. Uh, Ricardo Morales with us this morning, along with Maestro Alan R. Scott. We do have to take a, a break at some point. So I, I think let, let's do that right now before we really dive in and we don't want to break it up. So let's take a break and then we'll come back with more on Coffee Break. I just wanted to step away from the show for a few seconds to tell you that if you miss an episode, you can always catch up. We're on iTunes, so find our show there or swing by coffeebreak959.podbean.com. Local and area events, city, state, and national officials, your neighbors doing incredible things. We talk to them all on Coffee Break, where Helena comes to talk. In today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, we deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across Montana. Ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com security. Welcome back in. This is Coffee Break. I'm Troy Shockley. Thanks for hanging out with us this morning. It's brought to you by Versant Real Estate Group. Finding the perfect buyer for your home doesn't have to be daunting. You can call David at Versant, 459-8565. And I appreciate you hanging out with us this morning. A fantastic show. We've got Maestro Alan R. Scott in the studio and the greatest living clarinetist, Ricardo Morales. And uh, by the way, he's also helped design a line of clarinets, which are, uh, you know, they, they sound great, of course, but it's absolutely stunning. And I, I do want to talk, he, he, he brought his clarinet with us. We're going to listen to a little bit, but I want to talk at least for a minute about this piece that you're going to be playing. This is something that, of course, is it's written for the clarinet, uh, written for Benny Goodman and a name that maybe people don't link if they don't really know they're, oh, that's that jazz guy. Like he, he's Mount Rushmore of, of clarinets, isn't he? Absolutely. He, you know, the king of swing uh, is an understatement for him. He was a, uh, monumental in, in his uh, playing, in his style. He brought, uh, he basically brought a kind of legitimizing of uh, jazz with his uh, big concert in Carnegie Hall. And also in the realm of classical music, he also was very instrumental in uh, commissioning uh, composers in uh, Copland, Darius Mio, uh, Bella Bartok, uh, some of the uh, more iconic uh, composers that wrote for him. Yeah. And uh, a lot of those pieces have become staples of their repertoire. Thanks for uh, You've got to be pretty good to go up to Copeland and say, hey, I'd like you to write a piece of music for me, right? Yeah, like, well, I mean, I mean you've got to be. Well, he had, he had definitely had the chops, and, uh, and, but also the uh, musical curiosity to keep uh, searching and doing different things. Yeah, well, and this is an interesting piece. Uh, the first what five six minutes it's some of the most beautiful i mean with the clarinet mixing with the, with the strings it works um and, it's and it's very, just it's, it's very like it's, a, it's very um those who are familiar with the copeland sound that's probably what they expect it's like an yeah in spring it feels like you're breathing in americana 
It's the, the word that I, when I was thinking about this morning, I came up with reverent. Like it feels reverent, somber. I, Ken Burns has used it in World War II documentaries. So thanks to Ken Burns, I can no longer listen to this and go, oh, this is beautiful. I see the black and white images. going, And it's still beautiful, but yes. now it's almost in my mind becomes synonymous with just some of that that beautiful and tragic imagery from, from the war that, that he puts together. But it's beautiful. And I, I want to – we're going to listen to Ricardo, but I, I want to play th- – this does then move into – to, um, it, because it's Benny Goodman. It's got the slapping bass in there. It gets a little bit more jazzy. I, I pulled a quick clip. We're going to give uh, that a play, and then we're going to listen in a minute to Ricardo as well. So let's listen. This is actually Benny Goodwin. <laughs> That guy knew what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> so that 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 is actually a clip of uh, Benny, and I think Copeland was directing. And, yes. And, and it, yes. Most likely in that record. And 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 Ricky and I have talked about this. That it's interesting that Benny Goodman, when you listen to it, at first I'm like, this doesn't feel like Benny Goodman because he's he's playing everything very um, as written, very straight, mm-hmm. and. And you know, Ricardo thinks that perhaps you know, he he wanted to, he wanted to be legitimized in the classical world, so he's going to play what's on the printed page exactly. I mean, everything is just spelt very. I could put a metronome with it there. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's not nearly as free as perhaps most classical clarinets are going to take it. They're going to try to be more jazz-like with it. But Benny Goodman went the other way with it because you felt like maybe maybe he's trying to be more legit. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, the, uh, for uh, I I believe that it is sort of um, because he he definitely did uh, quite a lot of solos and recordings, not only of the concert, uh, the uh, Copeland, but he also recorded Weber concertos and the Mozart concerto with Boston Symphony, etc. So he was uh, definitely very busy uh, working on his uh, classical uh, world also. So I think that sometimes. Um, Sometimes he probably wanted to make sure that to, to show showcase that that particular uh, uh, side of him, and in a way it is interesting because uh, Copeland and, and Benny played this and conducted it several times, and he led the part as written. Right, the thing is that a lot of uh, things that people don't understand is that there many passages in the jazz uh, idiom are written what we call straight, like very. Uh, uh, very basic, mm-hmm. yeah, and and then in the jazz you basically you uh, swing the eighth notes, etc. And the thing is that it, that is implied. So basically, you see it clean, and then it's implied that little you get uh, to play the notes, etc. Yeah. And uh, and in here, see, uh, Benny uh, does very very little amount of it. There's a hint. There's a hint in there, so it, but if you're not paying attention, you'll miss it. Right. But the thing is that then uh, what is interesting is that uh, Copeland uh, got to conduct this with many other clarinet players, uh, uh, including actually one of my uh, uh, former teachers, uh, uh, Ron DeCant, who uh, recorded the, the piece and had performed it uh, about five times with Copeland conducting. And he was always uh, egging on, come on, come on, come on, let me know. Well, is it supposed to be jazzed up or what? And, the, and, and Copeland would just uh, wink, no, it can be done that way too. So, <laughs> He was very okay. nice. Yeah. No, no wanted to throw Benny, you know, under the bus or whatever. But it's like it's <laughs> one of the things that is uh, keeps it uh, uh, mysterious, and at the same time, that that mystery makes it uh, more uh, 
interesting because then you are much more free to to delve into e either way that you can. And one of those, I guess, for audiences, whenever you hear it, it, it's not necessarily going to be the same. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that is the one thing that uh, it is. Uh, this one is almost impossible to get to uh, play basically your one version that stays uh, pretty much the same. So that is actually one of the best uh, features of the concerto. It's yeah. not just that, you know, tr traditional concertos, you know, the... The first movement, and then the second movement slower, and then the third movement more upbeat. This is it's sort of in three parts, sort of in two parts, however you want to think of it. But there's the, the the first moment that you alluded to, Troy, with the strings and just this very reflective, and then we do the whole orchestra stops. It's just strings, piano, harp. That we stop, and then the soloist does what we call a cadenza. In Italian, cadenza means stop, um, and the soloist sort of plays by himself. <clears throat> that's basically like a whole separate section. It's it's quite lengthy and very demanding. Then we go into the, the, the last section or the second section where it's in, so intense for the strings. It's not sh string-like, in fact. They have to play very very odd and rhythmically and high and, um, and the piano and then all then it goes back and forth into this lazy jazz of the slapping bass and then it, then all of a sudden it's it's on fire to the end. Like you feel like we're gonna, it's a train that's about to run off the tracks. And then this whole thing, in a sense, just comes crashing down. Very Lavalse-like to me. I mean, just, you get just, some high notes in this thing, too. Well, that's, it's not just there's a, a few. Line. There's a few. Is it like a B-flat in there? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it, gets, uh, it gets up there. Um, I don't want to run out of time before we actually get to listen to you play live here in our studio. Because when Alan comes in, I can talk about music for a while. So... Let, let's hit pause on, on that just for a minute because I, you're here. I want to get to hear you play. So I guess tell us, you play whatever you want for however long you want, Ricardo. You're in charge. Uh, well, I, I, I've got, uh, I've, you know, I can't, I can't give you as long as you want. You know, I've got five minutes, so take however many of it you want. Well, the, uh, just, uh, the interesting thing, just uh, talking about the concerto, there are some spots that are uh, that I wanted to show that, that have uh, the – the opportunity to get into the uh, the jazzy idiom or not. Uh, so even in the even in the cadenza where it, it can go, uh, what we would call a more mainstream way. Right, and uh, so this one will be what we would call the legit style, and uh, sometimes we can sort of blend it in a little bit. And then you can go, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, for... He's for like, ah, no big deal. No, no, to hear the rest, uh, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll do a little extra uh, love uh, tomorrow night. <laughs> <laughs> Ricardo with ah, uh, yada, yada. You know, yeah. Um, what number read do you play, Ricardo? I got to know. Oh, uh, just three and a half. We go oh, nice and easy. Yeah. Just a two and a half. Yeah. <laughs> no, three and a half, and yeah. then, then we go, depending, depending. We can clip it or, or not, but you yeah. go in the middle. And then you end. Um, and we are, in, Ricardo, of course, the, the, the featured uh, guest. This is uh, going to be tomorrow, 7.30. For a, it's going to be live on uh, on YouTube with the Helena Symphony Orchestra. Um, you're going to shift then into uh, Mendelssohn after yeah, that, right? This, the Mendelssohn is... Is um, such you know all these great romantic composers Beethoven, Tchaikovsky, they all had what Beethoven calls an inner demon in, in their ears, something that really haunts them, or it's sort of to anybody else it would have plagued them and debilitated them. But for these guys, it, it, it makes them who they are. 
Mendelssohn, you think, what is his problem? Well, he was so blessed rich that he had no concept of what the real world was like. I mean, his private teacher was Goethe, the famous playwright and poet. And that, you know, and he had this. He was the trust fund kid. Yeah, basically, yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely was. If father <laughs> yeah. said, here, take the yacht, go see the world. So he arrives on the shores of Scotland, composes this overture, Hebrides Overture. Then later comes back and he starts writing um, this incredible and his, one of his longest works, the Scottish Symphony. And for anybody who likes, my wife is obsessed with this show, um, uh, Outlander. Mm-hmm. The people are obsessed with this show, <laughs> trust me, because I can see it all the time. <laughs> and so this is what you want this is the, the soundtrack basically it's not the real soundtrack but i mean this is what you will breathe and sleep it is he's not writing any real scottish music but he's capturing his own version of what that feels like and it is such a fantasy and so much fun and so moving that it's such a great counterpart because both of these pieces are to these these wonderful escapes mm-hmm. and um so i think it's gonna be great the copeland copeland's not terribly long, and then and then the, and we do the Mendelssohn. So it's a great concert to tune into. Yeah, let's play. You know what? We're we're here. I got it queued up. Let's play a little bit of that. Okay. Talk about furious strings in the other one. This one, you could. I mean, yeah, there's some furious strings here too. Hear that? Ding, That's called the Scott, the Scotch snap. And it, so he uses that little Scottish snap to basically create that whole second movement that really makes it um, sound like you swear, like it's like a a, a Scottish a Scottish little dance or something. And he does this throughout, and it's so much fun. And the last movement is feels so profound. Uh, you feel like you just need to buy a ticket and get 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 to the Hebrides or the Highlands, you know. <laughs> it, it just it will feel like that. And um, I was looking; I found an old VHS of me conducting this in 1997, and um, it's it's still. I saw the smile on my face then. It was still just as it's a magical piece, and audiences love it. Orchestras love it. So I think, and there and it's such a nice contrast to the jazz infused Copeland. Yeah, it's a fantastic pairing. It, it works. Uh, it works so well. So, um, Maestro Alan R. Scott, alongside the greatest living clarinetist, you heard him right here. You've never heard better, Ricardo Morales. Guys, th- thanks for coming in. Uh, we've got uh, just under a minute left, Alan. Can you remind people how they can watch this? Best talk? way: go to YouTube, look for Helena Symphony, just like it or subscribe to that page, and that way, as soon as we go live, your phone, your device will tell you Helena Symphony's live. Mm-hmm. And it, this is not pre-recorded. We're, this is live. So you're watching it with this. You're going to see a lot of backstage stuff. Um, you're going to be sitting in the orchestra. You can obviously go to Helena Symphony Facebook page or the website, and but it'll all redirect you to the Helena Symphony YouTube page. The, the subscribers get a special VIP access to a different uh, site prior on a Zoom to have some conversations with Ricardo and me. And... Um, and so it's it's just we're looking forward to it. we're looking forward to being live with you. The Helena Symphony exists for you and because of you. Yeah. So go check out the Helena Symphony on YouTube. Subscribe and hit that bell. That's the notification that'll let you know when new stuff goes alive. We're all out of time, unfortunately, this morning. So for Maestro Alan R. Scott and Ricardo Morales, have a great weekend. 
I'm Troy Shockley, and that's it for Coffee Break today. Be sure to check us out on iTunes. Head on over. Give us a review there. That's always much appreciated. Or swing by coffeebreak959.podbean.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you back here tomorrow.